In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. It's November of 2008, and about eight people have gathered in my mother's living room, and we're praying about whether to plant a church. And so as we pray, we also open our Bibles and we read some verses as we're starting to think about what we might call this church or what this church might look like. And as we uh, continue to read and to pray, uh, we find ourselves in Ezekiel chapter 34, where we are today. Many churches across the country, especially in the Anglican Church in North America, have been naming themselves Resurrection and Epiphany and Ascension and Hope and Joy. These really uh, wonderful, uh, positive, uplifting names. And we settle on Ezekiel 34, where the prophet Ezekiel is standing here on the uh, river in Babylon and looking towards Jerusalem and saying, the bad shepherds will be removed. And this is the passage that we uh, chose or felt the Lord was leading us to choose this warning against bad shepherds. Now, I'll take that warning. It definitely belongs to bishops, priests, and deacons. Uh, We have been warned what it means to be a bad shepherd and what the consequences are. Uh, I invite you to share that with me, since as Christians, this is a priesthood of all believers. We all have a responsibility as priests of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When we had our baptisms here several weeks ago, it was asked, who will support these people and their baptismal vows? And you all responded, we will. And so we all have this responsibility to proclaim the gospel and to lift one another up into holiness and righteousness. We're all participating as shepherds. These shepherds have become bad shepherds. They have started to feed on the sheep. Shepherds feed on the sheep typically because they're scared. They think that there's scarcity. They don't think there's enough for themselves. They think that they need to provide uh, for themselves and they're going to use the sheep and feed upon them. I've seen this happen in churches many times. I've seen it happen in vestry meetings where the people say, we don't have enough to be able to pay our bills. We don't have enough to be able to pay our pastor. We don't have enough to keep going and to do the ministry we think we're going to do. We need to bring people in so that they can pay our bills. That's feeding on sheep. That's saying we are in need and we're going to bring people in to provide for us. Rather than saying we have the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He has everything and he is going to supply. And we are the ones who are feeding the sheep the gospel. We have everything that we need and our job is to feed and support and lift up and find the lost and and heal the sick. It's a very different kind of emphasis when we see our job as participating in the job of the Savior, which is to feed these lost and hungry sheep. This indeed is the fulfillment that Jesus makes. Jesus fulfills the promise of God where he says, I will be their shepherd. I will be the good shepherd. I will seek them. I will heal them. I will find them. And so this is the fulfillment that Jesus has. He fulfills this promise and he comes and he says, I am the good shepherd that is promised. I will uh, seek my sheep. And indeed, in in his saying this, he's answering the uh, second kind of mistake that shepherds make and the one that's being being taken place by the Pharisees. In chapter 9 of the Gospel, just before today's passage, Jesus had been arguing with the Pharisees and they had been saying, we are uh, descendants of Abraham, we don't have 
any need. We don't have a need for a Savior. And Jesus says, you've condemned yourself. If you say that you're enough, and that you're good enough, and that you're okay, then you don't need a Savior, and you're going to die in your sins. This is a very strict warning, especially for us today, because this is definitely the message of our age. This is the message of our toxic culture, which is to say, you're good enough, you're smart enough, you're okay the way that you are. And the, the message that Jesus has there is if you don't understand your need for a Savior and participate in repentance and the forgiveness of sins, then how is it you're going to receive that blessing of the Good Shepherd? And so he calls them and he says, the, the sheep answer my voice, they hear my voice. And what does that mean? We listen to the voice of God and we respond. We listen and we respond. That's what makes us uh, sheep. When we listen to the voice of the Savior and we respond in, in repentance and in uh, asking forgiveness of our sins and asking the Holy Spirit to come in and to remake us, to teach us how to live righteous lives. Indeed, this is the focus that uh, St. John has, the evangelist, in writing these three letters because already in the first century there are people saying, amazingly enough, and maybe this sounds familiar to some of you, you've been saved. You're okay the way you are now. You're done. You don't have to worry about trying to be righteous or live a holy life. You can't do it. Nobody can do it. Forget about it. What was righteous before isn't righteous now. There's, a, there's been a change in holy living. And St. John says very clearly, No, righteous living has not changed. Holiness in God has not changed because He has not changed. And if you think that you're in God and you're not living a holy and righteous life, you're fooling yourself. You're not fooling God. You've been sold a lie by the devil and you're living according to that lie. And his message is that we have to live a righteous, holy life in God And that the only way that we can do that, the only way that we can live in holiness and righteousness, is to lay down our lives, right? to sacrifice ourselves for others. That is, we have to participate as uh, shepherds. What is it that the shepherd does? The shepherd leads the sheep out into the pasture, and he has to make the sheep safe. How does he do that at night when predators come? The, sh- the shepherd leads the sheep into an outcropping or he leads them into a ravine. And once he's led them into this place, this natural kind of pasture, he lays down. He lays down across the pathway. He lays down so that he becomes the door. Jesus says, I am the door, right? I am the door to keep the wolf out. So the shepherd makes himself the protection from the wolf and he keeps the sheep in he says these are my sheep and I will protect you I will be your way you'll have to go through me right to get to everlasting life and so we participate with Christ as shepherds when we lay down our life to protect those that we've promised to protect and to serve from the lies of the enemy from the sheep from the wolf who would come in and Keep them in the pasture of the Good Shepherd. And St. John says the only way that we can do this is if we practice living righteousness. We practice living holy lives. It was about 1980 and I'm sitting in my grandmother's living room in a chair and my cousin Miriam is standing behind me with a comb and scissors. We're playing uh, Beauty Shop. 
And every time we played uh, this kind of game, I was the customer. And so I'm sitting in the chair, and she's got the scissors and the comb, and so she's taking my money, she's asking me what kind of a haircut I want, and she's combing my hair, and uh, I all of a sudden I hear the snip snip of the scissors, and I realize I'm going to get a real haircut here. Cousin Miriam was an entrepreneur from the beginning, somebody who could organize people and get them moving and motivated. She and our play uh, sold me home mortgages and uh, served me meals in a restaurant. And uh, when we participated in these games, you know, there was a lot of responsibility on me to play the game right. I had to know when I was coming in to borrow money for a home, you know, what kind of a job I had and how much money I made and how many children she'd make me, you know, fill out these forms and write all this stuff down, you know, uh, because we we're playing a game. And when you play games, there are rules, right? If you're playing superheroes and all of a sudden somebody says that Spider-Man has x-ray vision, you broke the rules of the game. You're no longer playing the game and we get mad when that happens, right? If we're playing cops and robbers and somebody gets shot and they're dead on the floor, you've got to stay dead. You're not playing by the rules of the game if you just jump up, right? We have rules in our games. We expect people to follow these rules. And St. John says that we are children of God. We're children of God. And this life that we're living is a play game with real consequences. We're playing how to be citizens of heaven. He's teaching us the rules of the game. The consequences are everlasting life. And when we get to heaven, the Lord's going to ask, did you learn the rules of the game? Do you know righteousness? Do you know how to live in holiness? Did you lay down your life for your friends? Were you a good shepherd? Did you turn the sheep into food? Or did you lay down your life for your friends? May we be able to say that we have truly laid down our lives for our friends and come into everlasting life with our good shepherd.